You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Arise and shine. The Bible tells us to be alert, to be sober and vigilant. Well, these are the days to do that. And I'm going to tell you, it is amazing to be with you, Awakened Church. I love you guys. Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, thank you for letting me be here today with you. Even though it's not physically, we're spiritually bound together. There's no social distancing in the spiritual world. Amen. I'm thrilled to be back. I, I would love to say you look beautiful today, but you do. And I'm just going to have to trust you to know that I truly, truly wish I could be there. But under the circumstances, we take lemons and make lemon pie. And uh, I thank you, sir, and the whole church for letting me share my heart with you. I've got some thoughts for you. Of course, it's a, a Memorial Day event, a Memorial Day service, and we want to honor those who gave their lives. And I'm very familiar with the price to pay for freedom. But it's nothing compared to those who gave it all. Someone said, some, all gave some. Some gave all. And I'm among those that some gave, but I didn't give it all. I didn't die for my country. God let me live for my country. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm proud of my scars and stripes, okay? I truly am. I am honored to have served my country. Not only in Vietnam, but on September 11th, I was called by, actually two weeks after September 11th, I was called by the Department of Defense. And since that day to talking to you at this moment, I've been a DOD contractor sent into Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, United Arab Emirates, Afghanistan, Iraq, Bosnia, Kosovo. I can go on North Africa, South Korea. You call it. If there's troops there, they send me there. And I am a, what you would call in the civilian world, a life coach. But I'm a resiliency trainer in the Comprehensive Soldier Airman Fitness Program, which means I am an encourager of the troops to try and stop the flood of suicide among our precious, precious military. I know the feeling. I know what causes that desperate feeling. Here's something I learned from the commanding General Thompson out of Oklahoma Air National Guard. Don't stare into the darkness. Don't, stop looking into that darkness. And the reason is if you stare too long, it stares back into you. And then you lose that last line of defense against suicide, and it's called hope. So I'm going to say to you, whether you have served in the military or not, if you are a servant of the Most High God, you serve in a militant army, the army of God. He, Jesus is called the captain of the host. He's not a, a private. He's not a sergeant. He's captain of the host, all right? And I know many of you are military, and you come out of the very community that I'm out of because I was a SWIC sailor, Special Warfare Command. I was a Ford gunner on a PBR in Vietnam. And the Special Warfare Unit of the military includes three of you, three of us, Navy SEALs, Special Dive Vehicle Teams, and the Brownwater Black Beret. And our little motto is, the only easy day was yesterday. And I want you to know something. I'm honored and proud to be part of that community but I'm saying to you, this is warfare that we're in today. This COVID virus, this whole experience, making us not do what we normally do. And we'll never have the old normal. 
Right now, we don't have any normal, but there will come out of this a new normal. How are you going to deal with it? What are you going to do with the things that are coming down in your life right now? Well, on July the 26th in the year 1969, sounds like right after the War of 1812 for all you teenagers, I took an injury and I came up with a new normal. I came up with a normal that people would look at me and say, what happened to your face? And it always amuses me when it's from some guy that's uglier than me. And I say to him, what happened to your mother? You know, they slapped her after he was born. So, yes, we can laugh about it now. But it wasn't even laughing matter that day on the bank of that river. Because whenever that sniper's bullet put a hole through my hand and blew the grenade right beside my face, white phosphorus was blown all over me from the waist up. Half my skin came off. I don't mean blistered. I'm talking about third degree. Blinded my eye, deafened my ear. My hair was blown off. I got my hair back. I bought it. <laughs> I did. It's my hair now. There's a bald guy in China. <laughs> well, just so as long, as long as not out of Wuhan, I guess. And so I, I, I don't mind. I just hate chasing it across parking lots on windy Sundays. That's embarrassing. My ear fell off when I was preaching in Jamaica. Oh, come on. It's all right. I didn't know it fell off. I just knew something was wrong. Everybody's covering their mouth, sucking air like a hoover, pointing at me. I thought, Lord, my fly, I got to check it. I did. It was fine. I looked around and I saw it. My ear was laying on my shoulder. I can't ignore it. They're not breathing. We're about to have Jonestown without the grape Kool-Aid. So I grabbed my ear, dried the sweat, and stuck it back on. I thought, okay, that's silly. It's over. It's not over. It got worse. You heard me. They thought it was a miracle, and they all got saved. <laughs> well, that is more truth than poetry. That is a true story. I wanted to tell you the rest of it, but time's not going to permit. So how can I laugh about it? Why would I laugh about it? I'll tell you why. On July the 26th, 1969, the devil lit the fuse. He lowered the boom, and he fired the best shot he had. He hit me, knocked me halfway into eternity, but I'm still here because no weapon formed against me can prosper. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And no, no, I am not a loser. I'm a warrior for the cause of Christ. And I love my warriorship. I consider it an honor, a badge of honor. So I even carry that into my relationship with my country. Behind me, it's a photo place for the ministry here where a lot of folks like to get pictures with me. So I chose it today because behind me resides on the wall the actual official award of the Purple Heart for my injuries in Vietnam. It's not... I don't know what you call it. It's not a word you want, but if you get it, it helps explain. I don't wear my Purple Heart as often as I do because I want people to see I got hurt. I want them, those who see I got hurt to know why. It saves me a lot of explanation. It costs me to be able to sit here today and communicate with you because I put my blood into that giant cauldron of blood of all those who fought, lived, and died, and served, and hurt, and wounded, and everything, that we would have freedom of speech, press, religion, the right to assemble together peaceably, which that's being threatened in some places. Kentucky governor tried to make the police write down the license plates of churchgoers on Sunday so they could be arrested for breaking social distancing by going to church. There's a lot of things I'm not so sure of. This whole experience with the COVID-19 virus is going to come out to say, well, that was a good experience. 
One of the negatives is our freedoms are being challenged and we're trying to find that, that walk that is between being risky and being right. Well, that's for another discussion at another time. So what is the discussion right now? What do you do when things go quote unquote wrong? Well, first of all, if you believe Romans 8, 28 and you're a believer in Christ, you don't have a bad day. You have a challenging day, a hurtful day, a painful day, but not a bad day because you know it's going to turn around. God will take that bad that the world would call it and turn it into good. Those things that are so difficult, he'll bring that triumph out of that tragedy and use it for his glory. So that's partly my story. That grenade exploded. I jumped in the water. I, my skin was everywhere. I tell everybody I was beside myself. Did you get it? Now it's funny right there. I don't care who you are. And I swam across the river. I crawled up on the bank of the river. I saw the damage. I fell over and they thought I was dead. I was listed killed in action for decades before they got it straightened out. Helicopter landed, called the dust off. They rolled me on the stretcher. And this little sailor boy that never had a black eye now would have loved to have the face to put a black eye on. I... Uh, I knew it was bad. I just didn't know how bad. They got me on the stretcher, which my body caught that on fire. I was still burning. The water will not extinguish phosphorus. And I fell right through the stretcher. It was one of those days when nothing goes right. They got me in the helicopter, and away we go, and the medics filling out my death report, who, who killed me, when I died, where I died, et cetera, et cetera. And in the helicopter, I have not had opportunity to talk about pain because it didn't hit me until I was in the helicopter. I was in a magnitude of shock, but when the shock wore off as we ascended in that helicopter, I yelled, medic, it scared me so bad he almost jumped out of the helicopter and the pilot lost control. We're spinning and rocking and rolling and I felt, oh Lord, we're out of control. We're going to crash and I'll be the only survivor. But no, my friend, there wasn't a devil in or out of hell big enough to pluck me out of the hand of God. God didn't do this to me but he knew how to get me out. See, God doesn't do evil. He didn't start the war in Vietnam. He didn't hurt those children. God doesn't make your grandma sick to die. She's gotten old. Let her die. She wants to go be with Jesus for heaven's sake, literally for heaven's sake. So I'm saying to you, life happens. God's the master of taking the disasters of life and turning them into eternal prosperity. And that's what I'm trying to say to you. God didn't do this to me, but he had a plan to use it for his glory. And I'm trying to do that right now. They got me to Saigon, did emergency surgery, got me to Japan. I was in the hospital there for, I don't know, three or four or five days. I, I, I have to go back to my records to be sure. But one thing I'll never forget there, they took my last will and testament, and then I prepared to die. But I wanted to see what was left. And I wish I hadn't. They brought a mirror. When I looked into it, I saw and I knew if I lived through this, no teenage girl could ever love me. Yes, she was a teenager. I was 16 when I asked her to marry me. She was 13 when she slapped me. She said, I'm only 13 years old. I said, but she had the body of a 14-year-old. She slapped me again. But we got married when I got into college and she graduated from high school. I knew she couldn't look at that. I didn't want her to see it. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to go home alive. I'm not going to allow it. There will be no open casket for the monster I saw in the mirror. They walked away and I pulled the tube. I was committing suicide, taking my life, took it out of God's hands, took it out of my doctor's hands, placed it right square in the hands of the devil, like he's gonna be my help in the time of need. 
I pulled that tube and I laid my head back and waited to die. I got hungry. I pulled the wrong tube. I pulled out lunch. That wasn't my life dripping on the floor. That was lunch. And yes, it is funny, but I'm going to tell you something. I was at the last straw. When you lose hope, suicide's your next event. And there's a thousand ways to die. You can starve yourself to death. You can smoke yourself to death. You can do a thousand things to kill yourself, but there's only one way to find your way back. And that's with hope. And my hope is in Jesus Christ. My hope is in him. Give it up for Jesus right now. Give him a clap offering. It ain't about me, Bubba. This is about Jesus. It's the story of Christ in the life of Dave Reaver. But without Christ, there's no life in Dave Reaver. So I want you to understand that day was a monumental day. Tried to take my life and I got chewed out by the doctors. They put me on an airplane, sent me to America to Brook Army Medical Center. I was there for one year and two months. But I got to tell you about the day I arrived. When I got there, they put me in a room called the ICU. I didn't know what that meant. And that was the fact they gave me this little garment that doesn't come together in the back. So they call it the ICU. Yeah. I was in that ICU, but we nicknamed it death row because we were 13 of us in there to die because they didn't want us dying on the main ward. I was in that room when they let visitors come in. One of them walked over to her husband who was in the bed by mine. 100% third degree, no skin. She threw her wedding ring on his bed and walked out saying, you're embarrassing. I couldn't walk down the street with you. I thought, oh God, I got a teenage wife out there. I got a little teenage girl. She's going to walk in here and say she loves me? Are you kidding me? I looked over, but I couldn't tell which tube. They're not marked. Suicide tube, lunch tube, ICU, or blood tube. No. They weren't putting blood in me. Then I already had my blood. They just had water going into me and my feeding tube. And here's this girl walking in. I couldn't stop. The progress is over. She looked at me and I thought, oh, God, here it comes. And she said, I just want you to know I love you. She bent down and kissed my face, what was left of it. She said, welcome home, Davey. And when she says, Davey, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I said, baby, I'm sorry. I can't look good for you. And my mind raced back to the day I kissed her goodbye to go to Vietnam when I made a promise I knew then I couldn't keep. And now I've broken it. When I said to her, I'll be back without a scar. And look what she stuck with. I couldn't believe it. She loved me. 53 years later, we're still together. What do you think of that, folks? 53 years because we built our relationship on the rock Jesus Christ, not the backseat of some car in a park. God is our Savior. We built that right relationship the way I believe, looking back, could not have been better. Both of us committed to Christ. One of the great, greatest marriage connections you'll ever have is when you both have the same faith in Jesus. And if you don't have that faith in Christ today and you're a part of that partnership in marriage, consider what I just said to you. Both of you need to make that right relationship with Christ and it'll build your right relationship with each other. Enough on that. Let me move on because getting to America was only part of it. When I landed that day, they put me in a helicopter and flew me from the Air Force Base just out of Japan. They flew me over to Brook Army Medical Center, as I told you. I was there a year and two months. But just prior to the event of Brenda welcome, welcoming me home, they put me in a tank called the Hubble Tank. They splash water on you to soften your charred, burned, charcoal skin, quite literally, charcoal. 
and then they soften it with that pristine water and then they start hacking on you cutting on you filleting you I went insane I grabbed one of the nurses by the hair of her head and flipped her clear into that tank with me and had her head down in the water I was trying to kill her because my brain says she's killing you fight for your life well there was they got her out there were six of them three on each side at that moment and there weren't social distancing they were right on top of each other working on me so she was safe they got her out but now her white uniform is pink with my blood it's now my skin and her hair she wipes her hands goes right back to work on me committed dedicated to make me have a chance to pull through what had no hope of surviving ask any military man in your congregation when a white phosphorus blows six inches from your ear you don't live through that but God had a plan for my life just like he has one for you and the devil can't pluck you out of the hand of God well, they got her out, and then they said, he's had enough, and I said, yes, he has. And they put me on a gurney, and as they were pushing me down to what I nicknamed death row, the, the medic said something he shouldn't have. Norton has said, as we say in Texas. He said, in the morning at 8.30, we're going to do this again. I looked up off that gurney at him. I said, not you or anybody in the entire United States Army is big enough to put me in that tank again. You'll never hurt me like that. And he said, okay, okay, like you'd never heard anybody say anything like that. He said, but you'll die, and you know that. Well, I did know that, but I didn't want to be told that again. So I said, okay, look, let's negotiate this. <laughs> I said, if you're going to do that to me again tomorrow, don't tell me so. Surprise me. Now at 8.30 in the morning, I'm going to hear this gurney with a stupid wobbly wheel like a Walmart shopping cart coming down that corridor after me. I'm not going to sleep, and I'm going to be in anxiety attacks, and that's what happened. Next morning at 8.30, I heard that stupid cart, that, that bed on wheels coming after me. He got there, and I wanted to hit him. I couldn't get off the bed. They put, they put a medics, two on each end of the sheets, and they were going to swing me over onto the gurney that was put right upside my They forgot to lock the wheels on the gurney. And when they swung me over, the gurney started rolling, and the guys on the feet end tried to grab it, and they dropped me, and I fell down at my little elbows were out like wings and I'm holding on to the gurney as it's pivoting and I'm thinking I'm going to hit the deck it's going to leave a mark and I don't need another mark for heaven's sake somebody help and somebody did he was about six foot seven 350 pounds I'd never seen him before he stepped up pushed everybody aside pushed the gurney aside when he reached under with his right hand and reached down to pick me up from the floor off with his left hand and pulled me like a forklift against his giant chest. I looked up into the face of a man I'd never seen. This is crazy. I mean, he moves cannonballs, pop up on his chest, on his arms. He is, he, he's the most perfect special human I'd ever seen. He was bald. He was black. His name was Rosie. And he had a tattoo right there on his arm that said so, Rosie. That's right. No gurney for Rosie. He didn't put me on that, that little cart with four wheels. He turned and carried me all the way to the end of that long, long corridor to a place we called hell. And they put me back in that pit that only God could extract me from. And they went to work on me and I went nuts again. When they see you've had enough, they try to quit. But every time they go a little bit too much. Now only my heels and the back of my head are touching them and convulsions and I'm grabbing for nurse's hair. And they called Rosie. He came over and reached down in that filthy water. 
He picked me up out of that tank. They dried me off and his arms off. He turned and he started walking down that long, long corridor and every step of the way he said these words, you'll be fine, big man, you'll see. You'll be fine. Again, he said it, you'll be fine, big man. You'll see. Over and over he kept quoting it. You'll be fine. You know, he said it so many times I started believing. He got me to death row, put me in the bed, pulled those long forklift arms out, reached up with a mother's touch to push down a little piece of hair that somehow survived. He looked me in the eyes. He said it again. You'll be fine, big man. You see, you see, you'll be fine. Then he did something I never let a man do in my life. He bent down and kissed my forehead, folded his arms and backstepped. He was there. You know what my friends tell me? Let me explain why they say he was an angel. If you fast forward 20 years, you'll find yourself with me that day in a place called Oregon, the Air National Guard. And I speak to 20,000 people for the 4th of July. When the crowd disperses, a lady walks up, well-dressed, classy, little salt pepper in her hair, about 10 years older than me. She says, you're Dave. I said, yes, ma'am. I'm thinking she was at the back of the crowd, no big screen. She wanted to identify me as a speaker. How could you miss me? I'm the only guy with one eye, one ear, and one nostril at that time. Which, by the way, I think Awakened Church, some of you know me well enough, you notice here, I have a nose back. Yep, I got a nose. They made my nose at Brook Army Medical Center about two and a half, three years ago. It's so beautiful. I'm so proud of it. It's a boy. Yep, well, she walks up and she says, you're Dave. I said, yes. She said, but that's your middle name. It's David. I said, yes, ma'am. Anybody would know that. Then she said, you're Milton David Reaver. I said, how'd you know? She said, I'm the nurse you pulled into the tank. Oh, Lord. I was crying. I said, have you ever heard, uh, do you ever think of Rosie? She said, I haven't thought of him in years. We couldn't identify him from anybody else and didn't know where he came from or where he went. So my friends say he's an angel. I say he's a man on a mission like you, Awakened Church, you're on a mission to win your community. But you need to make sure it's well with your soul. I'd like to lead you in a simple prayer, if I may, right now. Would you bow your heads with me? And if you know Jesus... Pray this prayer like renewing your vows with me. But if you're not in right relationship with Christ, can I invite you to make this step of faith? Pray it out loud with me. Make your vows as we renew ours. Say it with me. Lord Jesus, I'm in your house and I found you here. My sins glare at me in your glorious presence and I'm ashamed of my past. Please forgive me of all my sins, those I knew and those sins I didn't know. Make me what I ought to be from what I am. Cleanse me by your washing me in your blood that was shed for my sins. Three days after your death, you rose again and you're coming back for me. I love you, Jesus. And I thank you for being who you are and what you did. Thank you that you gave yourself for me. So this moment, you could give yourself to me. I will forever be grateful. And today I declare my sins are gone. They're washed away. I am a child of God, a born again child of God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Give the Lord a huge clap offering in this audience. Think of the people now out of tragedy who will find their triumph.
I can't tell you how much it has meant to me to be back with you. And Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, I hope we can have a chance to visit in the near future. Give me a call. Let me know that somebody, somebody took us seriously today. Somebody took that message that I've shared from my heart, even though I couldn't be there. Yet I feel like I was right in the room with you. There's no social distancing in the spirit. Oh no, we're as close as brothers and sisters can be. I'd love to hear from you, Pastor. Any of you that are my friends on our uh, social network, I'm happy to tell you that we're producing a television show that'll show up first. Would you subscribe on our YouTube channel if you can? Watch for the program called What is Truth? I'm just learning how to do that. And I get Facebook and YouTube all mixed up. But if you want to watch for it, it's called What is Truth? It'll be aired on Memorial Day, the first episode. I hope we can find you there. I'm Dave Reaver. It's been a pleasure to come to you from Fort Worth, Texas. I'll see you next time I get the chance. God bless you, my dear friends. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.